the Bible Study Podcast, episode 733. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Hosea with chapter 4. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We are going to have here over the next 10 weeks as we study the book of Hosea, or possibly less if I combine some of these chapters, which I might do, not a lot necessarily of new and different things that God is saying, but more consistent things that God is saying. God is going for consistency and not novelty. Hosea 4, the charge against Israel. Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. There is only cursing, lying, and murder, stealing, and adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Because of this, the land dries up, and all who live in it waste away. The beasts of the field, the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea are swept away. But let no one bring a charge, let no one accuse another, for your people are like those who bring charges against a priest. You stumble day and night, and prophets stumble with you. So I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge." Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priests, because you have ignored the law of your God. I also will ignore your children. The more priests there were, the more they sinned against me. They exchanged their glorious God for something disgraceful. They feed on the sins of my people and relish their wickedness. And it will be like people, like priests. I will punish both of them for their ways and repay them for their deeds." They will eat, but not have enough. They will engage in prostitution, but not flourish, because they have deserted the Lord to give themselves to prostitution. Old wine and new wine take away their understanding. My people consult a wooden idol, and a diviner's rod speaks to them. A spirit of prostitution leads them astray. They are unfaithful to their God. They sacrifice on the mountaintops and burn offerings on the hills, under oak, poplar, and terebinth, where the shade is pleasant. Therefore your daughters turn to prostitution and your daughter-in-laws to adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they turn to prostitution, nor your daughters-in-law when they commit adultery, because the men themselves consort with harlots and sacrifice with shrine prostitutes. A people without understanding will come to ruin. Though you, Israel, commit adultery, do not let Judah become guilty. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not go up to Ben-Aven. Do not swear as surely as the Lord lives. The Israelites are stubborn like a stubborn heifer. How can the Lord pasture them like lambs in a meadow? Ephraim is joined to idols. Leave him alone. Even when their drinks are gone, they continue their prostitution. Their rulers dearly love shameful ways. A whirlwind will sweep them away, and their sacrifices will bring them shame. In short, things are going bad in the land of Israel, and God is not pleased. And that's going to be the theme that is going to continue through this book because it's not going to change. It's not going to change for lack of telling Israel, but for lack of listening. But a couple different themes that are going on here. The first one here that's different than we've had so far in Hosea talks about there's no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. So that's the root problem. And that has been said before. You know, Hosea, go marry this woman who is unfaithful. 
as Israel has been unfaithful to God. Okay, so there's no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land is the root problem. But he goes on to say here that there are there have been consequences of that, and not consequences in this case right away in these first few verses being that God then punished them, but that they were given into their sin, and there is only cursing, lying, and murder, stealing, and adultery. They break all bonds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. So once they turn away from God and from doing what is right— then they turn away from doing what is right. They turn away to things that do not please God. As a natural result of their unfaithfulness to God, things are getting screwed up. There's lying and murder, stealing, adultery. It's because if you don't care what God thinks about your actions, I guess you can do anything that you think you can get away with. And so... What this chapter is saying is that the sin that you have, this basic sin about your unfaithfulness to God, has other fruit. And we think about that when we think of the fruit of the Spirit, our love, joy, peace, patience, all that. Remember the things that we talk about in the New Testament. This is saying that there is fruit for unfaithfulness as well. And then there are consequences even to the land. The land dries up, the beasts of the field, the birds in the sky, the fish of the sea are swept away. Now, I'm not reading this, that this is God punishing them, but that their sin is being destructive. And if you think about that, we we can see some of that in our day. We see places where there are, for instance, environmental problems, and how often when there's a problem with the land, that sometimes, not always, obviously, but sometimes it traces back to someone's greed, for instance. It traces back to an action that someone has done. The beasts of the field, the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea are swept away. And so I think of things like when I was growing up, all the eagles in my state in California were dying, and it traced back to DDT. It traced back to the pesticides and things we were using. And some of the word that got out in terms of these things being harmful was ignored for a while because people were making money. And it's just very easy to see how, you know, strip mining and and all of those sorts of things can be a blight on the land and they come from our actions. And then this interesting section here, let no one bring a charge, let no one accuse another because basically you're all guilty, okay? It's like bringing a charge against a priest. Now, a priest is supposed to be the person who is a representative of God, the person who is bringing the people closer to God. And this says you stumble day and night and the prophets stumble with you. Even your leaders are stumbling, are heading in the wrong direction. And if these days, you know, I wonder if that would be more political leaders, uh, maybe it would be religious leaders, but, you know, it's who are you following and are they also wandering in the dark blind? And, you know, are, are we stumbling sometimes because we're following people who are stumbling? Well, that's what was going on here. He says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. You've rejected knowledge. You've rejected the truth. And it is very, very dangerous, you know, for the people of Israel here and for us in our day to reject truth. Because once you reject truth, you can believe anything. And once you believe anything, things are going to be bad. 
you can easily ha- get to the point where you can believe things that you shouldn't believe and there will be consequences for that. And I'm not just talking about political things and all of those sorts of things, although that certainly would fall into that. But I think of my father, for instance, who is now 95. As you get into elder ages, one of the things that goes is your ability to discern and to make decisions. And it makes you more vulnerable, for instance, to people who prey on the people who are elderly and have more trouble making decisions and are more gullible. And as we stray away from truth in general, and obviously the main truth that this passage is talking about is our our faith in God, but also how that faith is working out, you know, how it's working out and whether we're what we're doing is consistent with God. So not just I believe in God, but I'm following God. As we stray away from that, we also then can be vulnerable to all sorts of people who want to use our belief for their power or for their riches. The more priests there were, this was an interesting passage, the more they sinned against me and exchanged their glorious God for something disgraceful. Now, I first read this and thought, well, that's really a bizarre thing to say because these are supposed to be the spiritual leaders. But if you think about it, that's exactly, I mean, this is a very literal statement. This isn't just poetic We've got more and more priests in the northern kingdom of Israel who are performing ceremonies worshiping other gods. So literally, you think of the time of Elisha, for instance, and the prophets of Baal, where there are hundreds of prophets of Baal and there's just Elisha who's worshiping the one true God. And all of those other priests aren't just bad. They're dragging all of Israel with them. The more priests there were, the more they sinned against me and exchange their glorious God for something disgraceful. Remember, they were replacing God, and starting with the king of the northern kingdom, because it was politically expedient for them to do so. If people worship the one true God, they'll go down to Jerusalem to worship. They'll start to get used to Jerusalem as being a place of worship, and then pretty soon they'll start to think of Jerusalem again as a place where political power lives. That, and in other words, if they worship the one true God, I will lose power. And so they very intentionally chose, in the original days at least, of the northern kingdom, that it is better for me to have power than for them to have truth. It is better for me to have power than for them to be right with God. And if you don't think that there are people today who would rather choose their power over your truth, (laughs) then you haven't been paying attention. It says, they feed on the sins of my people and relish their wickedness. And it will be like people like priests, and I will punish both of them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. And then it gets in the section that talks a lot about prostitution. And the you know, first thing I thought about here is, oh, okay, we're using prostitution in this poetic way that we are in the book of Hosea, that go marry a woman who is unfaithful because the people have been unfaithful. And then I read this a little more, and realize that some of what he's talking about here, when he means prostitution, he really just means literally prostitution because part of the worship of pagan gods involved the temple prostitutes. That literally the worship of these false gods led them away both to prostitute themselves spiritually, but then literally prostitution. So young women who were Israelites 
were being led into prostitution, and obviously they weren't doing it by themselves is really what he's saying here is, I'm not going to hold against your daughters and your daughters-in-law because they are not just turning to prostitution. The men themselves are consorting with harlots. And this is true spiritually, but again, it's very physically true on a daily basis that there was increased prostitution here and unfaithfulness that came from their unfaithfulness to God. And then there's this last section, which is interesting. Though you, Israel, commit adultery, do not let Judah become guilty. So part of the concern here of God isn't just the northern kingdom. It's that the northern kingdom, which has believed untruths, which is worshiping false gods, that that untruth could be transmissible, that that untruth could go to Judah as well. And it it happened. Historically, we see places where the people of Judah also got caught up in the sin of the people of Israel. So do not go to Gilgal, do not go up to Ben-Avin, and do not swear, surely God lives. Ephraim is joined to idols, leave him alone. Even when their drinks are gone, they continue their prostitution. Their rulers dearly love shameful ways. A whirlwind will sweep them away, and their sacrifices will bring them shame. So their rulers dearly love shameful ways. The rulers are promoting, the rulers set this up, this false worship, again, for political reasons. And they dearly love shameful ways. Be careful <laughs> what your rulers love and you know what their, they will disclose to you what their heart is in what they love and what they don't. And that is true today as it was true for the people of Israel as well. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Beckett Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.